Well, I guess we get started. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so we're going to do a little bit different from we did uh, last two. We're just going to spitball a day and talk about a bunch of different things. One of the things, did you uh, see the uh, Russians launch their uh, big old uh, missile and uh, threatening everybody? Yes, the people who are, oh, they they, 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 por- they portray themselves as very strong. Oh, we're, we're Orthodox Christians. We have a missile called Satan, too. Yeah, that's uh, also, uh, from what I've seen, the analysts are like, okay, like beat your chest some more don't care but uh biden did do something you saw what he did right or not i don't know what you're referring to uh they canceled some missile launches of our of our, of our own because they want to launch some things to make sure that we can knock out satellites and kind of a big step and the military really wants to do it and you drug harris out there and no no we we want to have some peace accords and we want russia to do that as well we are in the middle of a war <laughs> And the Wall Street Journal even said, you don't give up stuff like that in the middle of a war. Uh, I don't I don't take that type of stuff at face value, to be honest. Um, likelihood is, is, oh, we had to delay it. And instead of looking like, a, like you have egg on your face and can't deliver something, it's, oh, we want to be peaceful, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's likely just yes. But. I don't disagree, but there's the optics of it. Well, the optics make us look more sane than they are. And they're out there invading a country and shooting off a missile called Satan, too. I mean, the optics are pretty clear in my view. <laughs> I'll give you that one. Well, anyways, this is what we do. We do not agree on everything. We've, we go back and forth. Usually we have coffee and we will take about an hour in the morning and dissect and deconstruct and do the same thing in the evening and throughout the day. And sometimes we don't get a lot of work done because we're running like uh, like nuts trying to figure out what's going on. Yes. And so with that, let's get our intro out of the way so we can satisfy everybody who uh, has to know uh, all these disclaimers. Here we go. Off we go. This is the Paul Truesdell Podcast. Due to the extensive holdings of our sponsor, Fixed Cost Financial, and your hosts, you should expect that a conflict of interest exists with all companies discussed. And now, two Pauls in a pod. The Paul Truesdell Podcast. You know, since I kicked it off with the Russians, why don't we just keep on that a little bit? Uh, Let's talk all the generals and colonels that have died, but uh, some of the bloodletting that's going on. I know you're a lot better on top of that than I am, but I think it's important for everybody to remember that uh, Putin has had a history of uh, assassinating people. Uh, Opposition party people tend to have heart attacks and get stuck with little needles. And back in the days of Stalin, which we call him a little Stalinist, um, he can be a big Stalinist in his uh, way he's doing it. But um, they sure did uh, purge a lot of people back in the day, didn't they? Yeah, when he took power, like a lot, there are a lot of people in the West now who are acknowledging the reality of how Putin actually took power. And yeah, I mean, he, he killed and then assassinated his opposition. Um, people who exposed things like the rampant um, child trafficking and pedophilia among higher-ranking people in the Kremlin. Um, I can't remember the guy's name, uh, but he's the famous guy uh, who was poisoned and killed with polonium. Yeah, there's a famous picture of him dying in a hospital bed. You know, no hair and just you know just dying of polonium poisoning. Actually, you know, if you get a chance, and I encourage you to do this, and everybody listening, look at some of the people when we were doing the Manhattan Project, because some of those people did get over-radiated in what they look like. It's, um, yeah, it's not pretty. And, you know, so you have guys like that who, who you know, who's assassinated for pointing, for, for uncovering the fact that, yeah, I mean, these these people, there there are serious, uh, disturbing things going on among these very secretive, uh, vile elites in the country. 
And, you know, they put on a good face for a long time. And the West, you know, kind of, uh, you know, ignored these types of things because it was in everybody's best interests. It was a new market to get goods and services and products into. They seemed to be cooperative at times. But the more you go back and kind of reanalyze the whole situation, it becomes very obvious that they have been adversarial since the beginning. And in my view, the the uh, collapse of the Soviet Union was inevitable, given just kind of the organization and the structure of how it operated. Like command, centrally planned and command uh, commanded economies, like well, they just won't last in the long term. Uh, for a war or for exigent circumstances, sure. I mean, I can. that's the most expedient way to do certain things. But if you're trying to pull that off in a successful way over 60, 70, 80 years, it's, it's not going to work. And the quality of, of life under a much more free and capitalistic type of uh, uh, synthesis is going to work better. And they had to get out of communism, and unfortunately it was very bloody and a disaster, but, you know, the reality is, is how else are you going to get out of it? Like, collapses of economic systems are never pretty, regardless of where you look. I want to talk a little bit about Google and the unmasking of uh, photos and talk a little bit about that, but we have a thing here where uh, basically 150 top commanders in the last month have been relieved of duty, and some of them have gone AWOL, meaning they disappeared. And I also think it's really interesting because the Russians in the past were pretty strong when it came to the game of chess. And if you go back to the days of Bobby Fischer, Bobby's now dead. And, you know, that was a big deal. U.S. versus Russia, all the competition. And one of the guys who was a really big chess champion, I always kind of his name is kind of hard for me, but Gary Kasparov. Kasparov. Yeah. Thank you. I, I just, I, yeah. tongue tied. He lives in the West now. Yeah. He's like very anti-Putin. Yeah. Know. He hates him. He hates him. Yeah. I used to think his hatred for Putin and, and the political regime there was unwarranted until I did a deeper dive. And I'm like, oh, I, I get it now. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. Guy's not dumb. And and he's actually, um, if I'm not mistaken, he's fairly articulate. He's Yeah, he's written some books. And yeah, he's he's an outspoken opponent to the regime, let's say. And I do get a kick when they talk about, you know, 14, 15,000 of their soldiers have died. And based upon, I would say, our estimates, it's way, way beyond that. Yeah, I mean, the Ukrainian estimate is approximately 21,000 today. Um, from the very beginning, I think everybody has has properly said that, you know, don't take either side, either party to the conflict's numbers very seriously. It's propaganda, blah, blah, blah. And that's generally speaking, I think, a very good uh, rule to follow given given the circumstances. But I think one thing, one kind of, uh, to me, it's a, it's a big change in how propaganda and how things are done is Ukraine has done, they've, they've made a very strategic change in how they communicate with their citizenry. And they have opted for radical transparency. And I think it's very, it's an interesting tact to take because it's, it can be scary, scarier potentially by telling people that like really, really bad stuff has happened. But at the same time, it, it breeds an environment of trust for your government that is under siege. And sitting around lying and saying everything's fine, doing Baghdad Bob only works for so long until everybody realizes, oh, these, these a-holes are lying to us and they're just as bad. They could be potentially just as bad as the people that are invading. We don't know the truth. What do we believe? Under the circumstances, everybody knows the Russians are liars. 
They will not tell you the full truth. They don't even tell their own people the right the, the, the right thing, uh, the, the the full truth. Uh, and I think you know a good example I, I've mentioned to you in the past week is they sunk the Moskva, um, the missile cruiser, and they're pulling a Kursk. And when I say pulling a Kursk, you had the you had a nuclear submarine um, named the Kursk in the uh, I guess it was around 2000 somewhere there um, that they were doing a big training exercise and due to the circumstances of not of, of everything in the Russian Navy being in disrepair and whatever this was supposedly one of the most maintenanced and uh, highly trained crews in their entire Navy uh, some least likely sh- uh, submarine to have a problem it has some type of malfunction while they're doing a big training exercise I think it was the biggest one they had done since the collapse of the Soviet Union and uh, they have an issue and this thing just disappears off the radar they later they later figure out I think uh, the, the circumstances around it are interesting because it shows to me anyways that as much as things have changed very little has in su- in substance has changed deep in the culture of of Russian command and control and politics and all that sort of stuff so during the Kursk uh, Putin was the president still and 20 years later nothing's changed um, he wasn't even notified by his people that oh yeah we, we lost a nuclear sub because they were trying to like figure out how to cover it up and 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 salvage the the absolute you know you know what hitting the fan before I think he was like on vacation on you know, some palatial mansion someplace and they didn't want to interrupt him because they knew it would make him very mad so oh we'll, we'll try and salvage the situation before before we tell him and of course just like Chernobyl it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse and and you know uh, it's, it's indicative of so the point is, is like they, they just lie they lie they lie and you know I mentioned Chernobyl I mean that's a perfect example it's layers levels of incompetence and unwillingness to take the bull by the horns and actually you know try and solve a problem and admit that there is a serious issue that we need to solve and it's funny because this this entire war now or if you're in russia you can't say war you have to call it the special military operation or they'll send you to jail for 15 years because you know, we're back in stalin times where they have a new law in the books where you can't even criticize the leadership of the government they'll send you to jail so yeah you know it's, it's a real good free society um the but my point is is that this is this is like uh this is like the war equivalent of chernobyl it just keeps getting worse and worse and they fail to acknowledge the basic reality that they're incapable of pulling this off and that they're now enraging and solidifying support from the entire world it's like that old norm mcdonald skit where he talked about germany and going to war against the whole world yeah they're going to be saying they're going to be saying that about, about russia in 30 years oh yes russia decided to go to war with the world well i'm going to unpack a few things you know you mentioned the fact that in russia you can't even talk about the word war and any kind of stuff you're going to get in trouble uh we've we've had the same thing here and i'm not talking just about covid let's go back to the Woodrow Wilson administration. We've had several times when people, I mean, they're going to lock you up. You're done. Under Wilson, it was having to do with anti-war activities, um, in particular protesting, and mainly with relation to the draft, as far as I'm aware. Um, yeah, that was draconian, and everybody admits now that like, that's something we're not going to repeat. Um, COVID is more of like a social phenomenon. The government never threatened to arrest anybody for, <laughs> for saying anything about COVID, uh, thankfully. You know, your, your private institutions like Facebook and Twitter and things like that might ban you but well as the ultra capitalist free market type people say that's their right as a company they have rights to right but the things we're not going to talk about on a public podcast are the connecting of dots of who's related to who in government the revolving door the connections how you have all sorts of government entities paying for advertising you know we're not going to go down that road first off it will sound like 
crackpot conspiracy stuff. But the reality is, if you follow the money and you follow who is married and related and who've been baptized or all that stuff, you know, it's, it's there's lots of connections that people can make. Now, correlation is not necessarily causation, but when a duck, it's got feathers, it quacks, yada, 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 you know, come on, it's, well, a, it's a duck. I think the thing a lot of people need to realize is a lot of people approach government and and all that, everything that goes with it, elections and government, they approach it from a black box perspective or closed box perspective. Um, they run this exercise in their mind where everything is free and open and everything is equal and everything is fair. No. And it's, it's, it's you know, I breathe and, and, and sleep, you know, with the Constitution on my face and, you know, I everything is, is perfect and that's how things should be. They fail to take into account that it's it's degrees of bad. So um, we, it's a need to know basis and that's the gray area that everybody has to yeah. understand to talk about. I mean, I can criticize the Washington administration if you wanted me to. Like, I have a lot of stuff that I've learned over the years that is, quite frankly, just disturbing. I mean, early U.S. politics mirrors the stuff that we see today. The difference is the government is... You mean you're not a fan of Hamilton? We got a great play on him. He's a wonderful guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's 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 worthy in the history books to be admired as a, as a, you know, I guess founding father, and he did certain things that were interesting, but, I mean, every person that you can, you know, recall a name for, you can come up with very, very uh, disturbing critiques of policy and and their their worldviews. Like, that's just a basic reality. But I mean, he left all of his books and records for the next administration, you know, no, it was no, very, very accurate. No. It, was very, it was very nice of Hamilton leave, you know, exactly what the government had and what they had spent. I mean, it was no, nice. No, they, they stole a lot of money and they burned all the record books. They had helping hands or slaves taking record books out in literal wheelbarrows um, from the from the uh, administrative buildings that his office occupied. Um, yeah, no, there. this stuff has been going on forever. Like, you can critique everything. Can you see the brains of somebody whose mind right now is exploding because they saw the, the play in Hamilton? Oh, and, and just like, you know, you're being critical of somebody who's a, you know, he's a wonderful black man that, that took care of George Washington. So. Yeah, if you believe that, then I don't know what to say about you. But anyways. Um, but he was born in Nevis. We did go, we yes, did, he was. We, he was, we did go there. He was born in Nevis. Um, that's why he couldn't become president. He was not, not a native. Um, but it is interesting because, you know, when you, when you, when you go into the mind of the average person who, you know, go on Facebook or Twitter or other social networks, they have very, lo- very loud opinions, let's say, about the government and how things should work. They seem to view, they seem to think there's this utopia that we can achieve if only we voted X party harder or got the right person or whatever. And that's just, that's, that's spend more money in education. That's, that's the solution to everything. Or spent, take, or, or got the government out of education. Yeah. Or and get, take all the guns away from us and give them to the Ukrainians who need them. Yeah. So. Or even on the reverse of that, some people advocate we need to force everybody to have a gun. Like it's just, these are the types of simpleton types of exercises that really, to me, just, it, it hurts my brain because the world doesn't work that way. There's no, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a right versus wrong, true versus false binary worldview where this is good and this is bad. And the reality is, is 99% of what the government does sits somewhere in the middle. And on top of which the government is a gigantic entity and a good example of, of how you can have all these magical ideals and you want to do all this stuff. And, oh, we're going to get somebody who isn't corrupted by the system. Go, just look at Trump. Whether you like him or hate him, it doesn't really matter in my view. The guy 
guy didn't achieve anything. No, that's not, not a, a damn controversial thing. statement yeah. because I mean, look at his policies. Look at his like hundred point plan from 2015 or 2016 that he released, his campaign released, and line those up with what he actually was able to achieve. You could maybe tick off two or three things. He didn't get anything done. It's because he and his people had uh, an over idealistic worldview on how they could get things done. They failed to understand how the government actually works. And the reality is, is the president is somewhat of a figurehead. There's so much in the organs of the system that you have to know how to command and control to get anything done that you're just naive if you think, oh, I will, I'm, I'm president now. I'm going to be able to do things. That doesn't mean it's without power. It's It has, you know, immense power. You just don't, you just have to know how to use it. Did you see he lost his cookies with uh, Pierce? Uh, he, <laughs> you didn't see it. So uh, Pierce Morgan interviewed him. Trump. And, yep. And uh, did I have sit down? And apparently he's got a new show coming out. Yeah, I know he quit British, whatever his long-standing British television he was on. And apparently he and Trump have been buddies going back to the days of uh, The Apprentice and all that kind of stuff. That makes sense. Piers Morgan is uh, the kind of person that would keep Trump in his in his, uh, his friend list on his phone. That, that makes sense. Well, here's the thing. You know, the other, a couple of weeks ago or whenever it was, he dropped the F-bomb when he was in one of these, uh, these r- rallies. And the n- numbers are way down, just way, way down. But... But um, yeah, no, apparently he had a real hissy attack, a real meltdown, and they're advertising it. I, I pulled it up before we got on uh, on air here. Well, that'll be entertaining. And uh, he <laughs> he calls McConnell stupid and basically calls uh, Pence a uh, weak pussy or something like that. And then he... Uh, he calls just, McConnell stupid. That's funny. Because Mitch McConnell is, if, if he's very clearly somebody who does not understand Southern gentlemen, because Mitch McConnell is the epitome of the um, coy Southern gentleman who wields an immense amount of power. What was that he guy we dumb, yeah. But my God, you do not want to get on his no. wrong side. He will end your world. For those of you who are uh, from north of the Mason-Dixon and for those of you who are born down here who don't have a real deep understanding of uh, Southern culture, uh, Southern gentlemen are always nice. Ladies drink uh, mint julep and everybody is very prim and proper. But a good old Southern businessman will take a knife and cut you in the back while they're saying, y'all having a good day and they're cutting their heart out. There's also a lack of ostentatiousness that, right. that Trump is the literal opposite. Right. of that where yeah i mean they may you know you may have a, a, a successful southern business person you know they may live on a you know what would seem to most people as a palatial estate or whatever and they may you know kind of act weird but at the end of the day they are generally speaking pretty simple people they act pretty simply they act you know they behave and live pretty simply yeah this is and they wield an immense amount of power i mean yeah. I, a good example I, I think of is i remember i remember mom talking about one of her first uh, jobs as an attorney she worked for somebody who ended up having to hire another attorney to deal with some issues and he was an old Tampa man who everybody knew and he was he was the epitome of the scruffy southern attorney right he had connections to everybody and that was just the way it works and and the reality is it still works that way most people just don't know who those people are anymore but I mean if you go to a courtroom in most counties in this country you're gonna run into those people yeah there's a good, there's a matlock in every in every courthouse or it's the judge or the prosecutor prosecutor yeah. or the sheriff <laughs> it's usually that way too how many how many clients have we had over the years that were very very uh common never drive a new car just very appreciative of everything that we uh we we've done for them and when they pass away they pass away with a massive amount of money that they're giving to heirs and charities I and mean, that's what we've done for for me for 36 years yeah i mean it's it's, it's more common than you would think especially in this business yeah i always like that book the millionaire next door of course now it's a little bit 
that data is the billionaire next door because they are quite literally are we're getting close to that point. Obviously, let's just make it a hundred million. But there are people out there. And by the way, a guy in St. Pete just died not long ago, and uh, just you know invented. A th- I'm not going to details. Invented a thing. One thing led to another. Sold it. Left the, some of the biggest contributions to all these different organizations down there. And it's just re- very quiet. Drove like a 30 year old car. You know, just, just oh yeah, just dad. Well, I, I'm along those lines. You know, the uh, the the uh, people who do not prefer to flaunt their wealth and, and influence. There's a I think what is it? Forbes does the billionaires list, and they this is probably 10 years old by now. But they <laughs> I know, were, I they know were, where you're going. Yeah, yeah, they were super excited because they they their researchers found a billionaire that nobody <laughs> knew existed. There's more than that, and but they're hard to find. And this guy he founded like some type of uh, a commodities logistics company someplace in the Midwest or something. And he's just a normal guy lived in a fairly normal house. I mean, you know, it was uh, fairly normal. I mean, it was like you know upper middle class, but it wasn't anything too you know, ostentatious. And it was like, oh, he actually is the sole proprietor of this company. And they analyzed to try and figure out like, oh, this company has like, does a ton of business. And they did, you know, some proxy uh, digging for, you know, how much volume of sales and private kind of valuation of this company would be. It was like, holy crap, this guy's worth like, he's a sole owner and this company by itself, knowing nothing about his assets is worth, you know, the value of the company would be over a billion dollars. Like we found one, got, got, got a live one. Do you remember the, uh, well, you weren't, well, you were born, but um, do you remember the client we had? And I, I got to keep this very loosey goosey. Um, who was taken uh, hostage. The, um, the plane to Mexico to uh, Cuba was uh, hijacked. He was a pilot. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, stuff. No, I've never heard this. Okay, so I, I got to keep it very loose. Uh, Mom and I had a client, and we handled all the different aspects of it. And uh, back in the day, that we had all these idiots that were hijacking planes, <laughs> flying to Cuba. And um, this gentleman was a pilot, and he was one of the very first to have that happen. And he didn't get shot, and everything worked out, and it's all said and done. But we're talking to this guy, and he's got pictures now. Connie Chung used to be uh, the evening news, I think, on CBS. Uh, she wanted marrying a guy by the name of Maury Povich, who was during that era in yes. which you had all the radical talk shows where Oprah Winfrey comes from. People, uh, no, more like Jerry Springer. I know, but you see, let me, let me seriously. If you go back to some of her Oprah shows that you can't get anymore, there were some pretty cruddy things. There were, yeah, but not I, like not like a Jerry though. But yeah, but Povich <laughs> was the pre Jerry Springer, like yeah. aggressive, yeah, taunting yeah. that sort. Yeah, that sort of. Stuff. Yeah, but Jerry, I, so she wound up marrying him. But my my buddy uh, dated her, and so um, had all these pictures, and you know he was a very uh, well respected pilot we'll just won't go any further but he lived in a single wide mobile home in a uh, rural community in uh, florida and i remember when they uh, and he was married and he and his wife came to our seminar and i was like well these poor people don't have a pot to piss in honey but let's you know we'll, we'll, we worked with everybody <laughs> i remember we went out to their house because they will you come to our house and you know, you know peach cobbler is just like well what the hell you know I mean, yeah, we're, nor- normal people stuff it yeah. was great and uh, i think they had a fish fry and uh or hot dog night or something can you stay we just we had a good time with them and um didn't cross any lines you know didn't do any kind of stuff but just all of a sudden well we're kind of concerned about how much money we have and i'm thinking yeah because you ain't gonna make it much longer because it was a, a very old yeah no these people lived incredibly comfortably but were i think they had 40 50 60 million dollars back in what would that have been like 92 three something like that uh, that's a long that's a lot of money but when they traveled they drove the old impala to Tampa International 
International Airport, and they flew first class, and they bought new clothes, but they came back looking normal. It was, it was grand. People I'm telling you, y'all don't know what might be sitting next door. Speaking of which, let's make a quick little change here. Did you see where Netflix uh, stumbled a little bit today? Yes, the never-ending hockey stick finally came to an end. Although, in my opinion, I, you know, what is it? Uh, they lost 2 million subscribers because of the massive increases from COVID, in my mind. 200,000. Oh, projected, I think, 2 million. Um, in my view, this was kind of baked into my thinking. It oh, I, oh I know where you're going. They were expected to get 2.5 million up, oh, okay. and they dropped 200,000. I'm sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, regardless, the in my mind, that was already baked in. The substantial increase from COVID um, combined with their content offerings kind of, I don't know, being worn out combined with a loss of certain properties due to the uh, balkanization of streaming products, I would call it. Things like The Office and stuff that people just play on rerun over and over and over. Uh, to me, in my mind, I'm surprised it's not more uh, because... Well, they People have get bored. They have one out of every three households worldwide. Yeah, well, you're World, a hundred million households worldwide. They've got three. One out of every three households are clients. My goodness, two hundred thousand dropped. It's the same thing with Apple. Apple will come out with past tense a phenomenal new product. I mean, it's fantastic. And what does the stock always do? I would say this is largely algorithmic trading based on bad assumptions. But yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean this was kind of baked into my view is that they're going to reach the law of large numbers and they're going to growth is going to peter off I mean, it's the same thing apple's dealed with for years they can no longer go out and say we sold x number of more iphones to people than last year they can't do that anymore because there's only so many people on planet earth right. that have a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars to buy a new iphone every year there's you know there's a limit to that so they're they have a seasonal kind of upgrade cycle and you know uh, people who own iphones are going to have iphones and until new people are born or new markets become much richer, I don't see a way to do to increase that. Netflix, obviously the uh, monetary limitations there are much lower um, and they price differently I think in different countries to get into different markets. But at the end of the day, like there's only so many people that are going to be able to buy Netflix. And I think uh, them having what 30 something percent drop in stock price today uh, largely contributed to the NASDAQ um, being down versus the Dow, which was actually up. Um, you know, well, it, it, it's uh, I would say it's a reset of expectations and we'll see going forward. Uh, the valuation for Netflix, given their numbers and everything, I think was a little rich. Now it's probably pretty fair. You know, this is obviously none of this is a recommendation. This is just my personal view. But yeah, I mean, I like I said, I mean, I if you didn't expect this to come someday soon, I think you were off in Looneyville because one in three people in the world, that's insane. That's, that's way too many people. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, you know, the thing that you and I talk about all the time, it's um, sometimes you it, here's the hardest thing I would tell you if you're an investor and you're trying to do everything yourself or if you're uh, in the business you're a financial professional lottie dotty dotty obviously hardly anybody does what we do you know where you actually are building individual stock portfolios I mean that's just nobody does that stuff everybody uses third-party asset management platforms mutual funds and ETFs and then 
they, they say they're, they're managers and all they are just glorified salespeople. I mean, right? I mean, yeah, no, that's exactly right. So the bottom line is, um, one of the hardest things to do is to sit back and, and be patient. Some of the hardest thing is to sit back and look at all the herd mentality and, and you got to just wait for all the crap to get settled and you go, I got to tell you, you know, there's a lot of diamonds in the rough lane around here. And when everybody's done running away, we'll just dust the ground and pick them up. And, and that's sometimes really hard to do. Yeah. I mean, that I see Netflix right now with a 30 something percent decrease in one day as, like I said, likely a value buy yep. um, going forward, assuming there's no additional bloodletting of subscribers. If they're able to kind of maintain where they're at, plus or minus a little bit, I would say they're in pretty good shape. Um, you'd have to look at their content production costs and look at their ongoing uh, potential loss in their library going forward from things that they've bought or licensed. But I think the major properties have moved out into their own streaming services by now. So I don't really see a huge uh, shift in demand, assuming they continue to produce quality pro uh, uh, content that people want to listen to or, and it, or, yeah. or, or, or watch. And I know they're they're kind of shifting going forward into something different things like uh, I know they're they're experimenting with something to do with gaming, um, probably like iPhone, iPad type games to be added into the subscription as well as some other you know just quote unquote experience please don't tell me they're going to go into podcasting like uh, spotify i doubt it there's no money to be made there from their perspective um because if they're going to do a podcast why don't they just do a short run tv show right it's mm -hmm. it's a visual medium they're like the, netflix is visual so yeah what, I, what i'm concerned about with netflix to be very blunt with you the, the thing that i'm going to research is do they still have that cutthroat mentality that they had when they were going head to head with blockbuster i think a lot of people should would benefit from understanding the rivalry that went on and how they were able to pivot and they were very aggressive and there was a thing by the way called blockbuster for those of you who don't remember or know that we used to used to actually have uh, vcr tapes yeah. we used to have to drive into town and we would rent them and used to rent your movies and you'd have to send them back and we'd take pencils and we'd make sure that we twirled the little things that you know the little plastic uh, two rollers and make sure we had to rewind them in case you were you're going in a car so i'm driving and mom you guys are in the back seat in the car seat and mom's rewinding it we, we didn't get all rewound and oh, yeah. you had your late fees <laughs> But you know what? It was kind of cool for a while there. You could run a movie and you got a bag of popcorn. That was kind of interesting. Oh, we're dating ourselves. Yeah, well, that that kind of brings an interesting idea. That, um, well, to finish the point, you know, Netflix is a huge company now, obviously. Massive giga company. And, you know, they're now competing with a lot of other players that some are underdogs, some are giant old content producers that are older than they are. Disney seems to be doing surprisingly well in streaming. They are, but it's they're gaming it. Disney's gaming it a lot. No, no, I understand you know, it. They do. That's like CNN doing very well because they had all the uh, the uh, uh, airports that were streaming and things like that. Yeah. I get that, but I thought they were going to be on their face more than a few years ago. In my view, they are, but they have a hardcore fan base of um, kid alts, I would call them, who love uh, their Disney stuff. Oh, yeah. And Disney would be dead in the water if they didn't make the Marvel acquisition. Marvel, them acquiring Marvel is one of the greatest business decisions in, in, in business history um their political and activity then, is and getting them in trouble though well, yeah well yeah we're not gonna go there we'll we'll see if that bears fruit when conservatives start screeching about political stuff i see that as i, I take that as a buy opportunity because these are the most fickle lazy consumers on the planet they can't hold up a boycott to save their lives now they they screech about you know get woke go broke i've heard that from all kinds of idiots but you take you take the opposite implication of that and you'll usually make money 
money. Yeah, no, it's I'm. A, it's an yeah. app. It's it, my. A lot of companies know this, and they do it because it's just free PR. Because they're, you know, a good example is Nike. Nike got this treatment years ago where they did something. I don't even remember what it was about. It doesn't even matter at this point. But they did something that made certain people mad. There was a lot of PR about it, and oh, lots of lots of chatter on social media. And what did they do? They just doubled down on their conviction. And what did they do? They refocused. They they did the demographics of the analytics on who their core customer is. And guess what? They galvanized those people. So those people will buy Nike until they die. And the people they don't care, those are like a grandma that buys one pair of Nike shoes a year. They don't give a shit about those people. No, I was referring to the fact that uh, our governor, DeSantis, I thought did a really amazing move. The state Senate in special session has already approved legislation, which will, and they did not target Disney. Oh, they did it more broadly, which they is did. smart. Oh, they, no, I, I read everything. I, I, and, while, and I agree while you were that. on your conference call, I read everything about it. It is written perfectly. I think it will withstand any any challenge out there. But okay? also, how do you disagree with it? It's a government handout to certain localities, and Disney's going to be the primary, uh, uh, is going to have the, the most downside for it. But, you know, who cares? But the thing is, like, what, I, what I think is really important, which will never get reported the way I read it, maybe it will. The fact is that Disney, uh, of course, now the House is heavily Republican, so that's going to be a slam dunk probably tomorrow. But Disney is run by 50 people who live on property. There are 50 residents that live on property. That is called Reedy Creek. So that whole massive thing, the thing that people don't realize is they've got one hell of a sweetheart deal. So if you want to build um, this giant structure, there are no code enforcement officers that ever from the state or county inspect anything. Okay. So yeah, you've got the, you got the people that do rides and all that kind of stuff, but they are a self-contained, literally government entity. Technically they get this pass, but their argument is, well, have you ever driven a road on Disney? It doesn't have a pothole. Well, of course not. But the point being is that uh, they're not paying the taxes they should. Now, the thing that everybody's going to be talking about, well, what about Disney's debt? Well, what about this? What about that? Who's going to assume this? You know, law, they have their own law enforcement. I mean, you can go on for hours on the things that people like, really? There's a Mickey Mouse cop? There is. Yeah. I mean, it's they they got a sweetheart deal, what, 60, 70 years ago. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, a unique thing that most people, going back to our previous thing about people who live and breathe the Constitution and, you know, your state constitution and, and the, the rights of corporations, uh, they should be limited. They shouldn't, you know, th- you shouldn't have this big multinational corporation effectively have their own little little kingdom in uh, the eastern part of uh, central Florida. Like that's, that's in my view, that's pretty messed up that like I, did, I didn't know that they, they don't have to follow any building codes or anything like that. Meanwhile, you know, somebody out here wants to put a shed on their backyard and they have to go through thousands of dollars of planning and review and applications and permitting and all that and, and inspections and all that stuff. So these guys can just go up and build whatever they want to do and there's nobody there to check to make sure it's safe or anything. That's that's, a, that's interesting. doesn't surprise me. doesn't surprise me, but it's a good example of uh, there's different rules for different people in, in life and that's a, if there's a way to at the very least make them uh, feel a little pain and pay a little bit more, I, I'm not against that. Well, I brought that up because we were talking in the beginning about Putin and about the purges. We're talking about the lack of transparency of what's going on. They're lying about everything. And what I was trying to do is trying to tell people that our government lies as well. I mean, everything from COVID to going back to Wilson. And then we brought up Washington. And, and I know people are going to say, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Hamilton was wonderful. Well, Hamilton was white. He was born in Nevis and he was a crook. Period. End of story. I'm being very blunt with you. And if you would like to die, 
documentation, feel free to give us a call. We'll get it to you. The reality in How life about is... no? Don't call us? How yeah, about do your no. research and figure it out? <laughs> yeah, that's if you have, if exactly. You criti- if you have a criticism of what somebody else says on the internet and that makes you mad... Um, Dig down get deep. Get bent would be my response. <laughs> I love it. Get bent. Okay, so for those of you who who want to call, go get bent. Uh, I like that. I actually actually like that a whole lot better. So with that, the point is, you know, people like Steve Jobs. I'm I'm gonna we'll just start wrapping this up. Oh, he died, and oh, it was terrible, and everything else. The guy who really broke the story about his daughter Lisa and how you know it was his, and he was kind of a real shitbag to the to the white. It wasn't a wife to to the mother and her and all that kind of stuff. It all started on okay, you created this computer called the Lisa. Who's Lisa? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's who's Lisa. And that's one thing led to another. And the guy's been interviewed, and he's like been been attacked by the the Apple fanboys. Oh, of course, he's we like have, we have to protect our Lord and Savior. G, uh, uh, was it Stephen P. Jobs or whatever his name is? Yeah. So you know, uh, when he died, I felt bad about him. You know, what I mean, because I thought he was a cool dude. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he's a, regardless of, of of criticisms. I mean, he's a he's a legend of the American business sphere, and he he always will be. I mean, he achieved multiple things at very in important pivots yeah. in technology and culture and he was not only able to be successful but he was able to shape them in a way that you know did he make less money than other people yeah was he less successful than other people yeah but he did he did things his own way and was able to make it a success at the same time and that's it's admirable at the same time he did conspire to con, to uh, put a cap on the programmers and uh, he did uh, screw yeah. was over with oh, a, yeah. a big big chunk of change you know oh, oh we're, yeah. get, we're getting paid uh, $700 great I'm getting my 350 and they actually got 700 plus a $5,000 bonus. As Waz said, hey, if he just told me I need this money, we're going to do other things. He's, hey, I was happy just to work on a project. You know, that guy was, my point being folks, there is no white knight. There is no nirvana. Everything is, you make sausage. It's not all that pretty. And, you know, it's like a cake. You, you know, everybody looks at the frosting. They look at the sprinkles. Ooh, look how nice the cake is. What kind of cake you got? Well, I got some, a birthday cake. What kind of cake you got? What's well, a wedding cake? Well, what kind of cake you got? What do you mean? What is in the inside that you can't see until you cut it open and you go, oh, I, I wanted lemon. It's, this is chocolate. That's not what I wanted. Uh. Well, I, I, to put it more cleanly, I think if, if every person listening to this were to apply the same amount of critical analysis to their own lives that you do to other people who are notorious enough to be written about, I highly doubt you would withstand the same scrutiny. Bingo. Every person has their faults. You know, this is a... An unfortunate thing, you know, uh, I think a lot of people would like certain things to not be remembered. And because you aren't famous and nobody's digging into your past, then, you know, the reality is, is very few people are going to find out about it. And that's just the uh, benefit of being nobody and being effectively anonymous. Bingo. One of the things I think is important to also remember, never forget, is the amount of time. And I'll, I'll use Steve Jobs and we'll wrap them, get out of here. How much time have we spent doing what we do? We work six days a week. I don't think, have, have we ever worked less than 12 hours a day? Honestly, I'm being dead serious. No, I mean, yeah, it's somewhere around, you know, nine to 12 hours a day, usually six to seven days a week. And it's just part of my kind of normal operating and thinking. And yeah, I mean, it's just it's nothing special to me. Yeah, but but that's, and then you have all these people who like, I and I, I mean it sincerely, oh, they're bitch about everything in the world, but where, where's the effort you put into it? You got to realize, especially with jobs, okay, yeah, he, you know, oh, he traveled here, he traveled there. He lived a bohemian lifestyle for a long, long, long time. Well, e- even until the 
very end, he lived and breathed his job, whatever it was, whether he was working at Apple or it was later Next or his involvement with Pixar or then Apple again. And he had a nice house. We've been there. It's not, uh, it's, it's, it's nice, but it's not some massive mansion. No, it's, it's, it's fairly normal for that era's tech, successful yeah. tech people. But, but yeah, I mean, the thing is, is like people, people don't, I don't think realize the amount of effort that some people put into certain projects in life and some people totally fall on their face on them and others are massively crazily successful but most people are somewhere in between and you know uh, if you're just you know clocking a nine to five or whatever uh, there's a certain amount of um, comfort in that in that you have a you know stable paycheck or or you know you have a, you have excess free time or you don't have to think about your job off the clock or whatever but you know not everybody's going to do that and become super successful you most of the time have to put in this overwhelming amount of effort to be able to pull something off and be actually be something special or, or just different we'll wrap this up i meet people all the time and so many people are in sales who should be working at a job making a, a set paycheck i see people all the time who are trying to go into business for themselves and they're not making they're not making anything and it's, the reality is a lot of these companies these franchises these uh, multi-level marketing things are just they're scams it's all about motivational crapola but hey, i gotta tell you you know god bless you but most of you you're not making any money because you're not putting any real effort into it I, i'm sorry and just, you're also it, believing in misconceptions about what business actually is business is hard and it's cutthroat it's always been that way well it's about providing a service or a product to somebody who wants it whether it fills a special special part in their mind it fills an endorphin rush or it fills a business need solves somebody's problem or saves them time or amplifies their ability to produce something or whatever it is i mean it's just it's it's very simple if you want to make money go go talk to 100 business people and ask them what their pain points are i guarantee you'll find something that is a logical of uh, a point that they uh, a common point a common point of pain for those people and then do that yep. be a specialist and do that i bet if, if you applied uh 12 hours of effort every day for a year and talked to enough people and came up with something and were able to actually execute on it you can make a million dollars in three years there's no question about it you know when i said the word cutthroat i know that probably 90 percent of people listening probably thought that i'm talking about cutthroat to the client no i'm talking about cutthroat to your competition which is something i want to say for all of you who are out there who are always going to your industry events oh i'm an attorney so i'm going to associate with all the attorneys or a doctor who goes with all the doctors and in other words you always unless you've got a referral network on different specialties that's different but i see this in insurance and investment people i see all these why are you constantly associating with people or your competitors why are you making nice to them i i never i just never got that what the hell are you doing make nice do those same types of things with your customers no kidding they'll appreciate it more let's get out of here i got a busy day tomorrow from uh, me i'm paul truesdell and and i'm paul truesdell and this is two pauls in a pod we're out of here See you on Tuesday. The Paul Truesdale Podcast is sponsored in part by Fixed Cost Financial, a registered investment advisor. Fixed Cost Financial, where investing is done right. Visit FixedCostFinancial.com. That's FixedCostFinancial.com. The Paul Truesdale Podcast is also sponsored in part by Lie Die Today. Intelligently protecting your most precious assets. Visit lydie.today, that's lydie.today, you'll be glad you did. The Paul Truesdell Podcast is also sponsored in part by the estate planning, elder law, and asset protection planning law firm of attorney Kelly and Truesdell. Visit truesdell.net, that's truesdell.net for more information.
The Paul Truesdell Podcast website is paultruesdell.com. That's paultruesdell.com.